listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Father, we thank you that, God, you are so awesome. You're so incredible. And, God, we ask right now that you would speak directly to our hearts. God, that you would minister to us. God, I know you've given me a word to bring forth today. And, God, I pray that you would anoint me to bring it forth, that it would touch people in this place, that lives would be changed for eternity. Because, God, that's what your word does. It transforms people. And, God, we want to be transformed today. We want to be renewed. We want to be refreshed. We want to be rechallenged in your word. And we'll give you all the praise and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, why not high five someone around you and say, cool. And if it's a lady, say, I hope you're going to GNO tomorrow night. Come on, if it's a lady around you, say, I hope you're going to GNO tomorrow night. Ladies, you need to be here. It's going to be a fiesta night. And it's going to be a great, great night. So you need to be here. It's going to be so beautifully decorated. We've got a guest speaker. And this is not just a guest speaker. I mean, this is a famous lady that's coming and speaking for us. And, and she is fantastic. And, and just written a book. And, and just a renowned author. And just a, a sought-after speaker throughout the whole nation. And she's coming to Heartsea. So ladies, be here tomorrow night. And um, she's written two books. There you go. Two books. And so they're all going to be available. So please be here tomorrow night. You know, I, I really stand before you all today really almost overwhelmed with what I see God doing in our church. We've been praying for it. We've been believing for it. And we still are. But we are really seeing. I think great things are taking place in this house. Great and mighty things. Some of which are visible. We're seeing some of the things. But you know what? Many more that are still not visible still unseen in our lives. I believe God is preparing us as a church, Heartsea's Family Life Church. I believe God is preparing us for great things. I believe God has got great things in store for us. I believe we're going to see miracles like we've never seen before. I believe we're going to see souls saved like we've never seen before. I believe we're going to see this place packed two and three times over. I believe God's going to give us new facilities. Man, I wish someone would get excited. I'm giving you some stuff to get excited about. I believe that we're going to see the sick healed. And can I even say this? Why not the dead raised? Some of you are pretty dead. You need to be raised in the house. But I I just really believe that God has got greater things that we could ever even imagine. And I want to explain that. I want to start with this scripture. And this is really an intro into my message today. But I want to start with this scripture today that comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. And it says these words. Follow along with me. It says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. That's our hearts, our eyes and our ears. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things, say with me, great things. The things that God has prepared for those that love him. Man, I love that. 
The Bible says we may not see it, we may not hear it, we may not be able to comprehend it, but that doesn't change the fact that God has prepared great things for us. There's a lot of things we don't see initially. There's a lot of things that we don't hear. Maybe you lack the capacity to be able to comprehend those things in the heart, but that does not stop God from working. I want you to see that. You've got circumstances and situations right now, and some of you are saying, why, God, are you not working? Just because you can't see, just because you can't hear, just because you can't grab a hold of it, it's not tangible to you. Can I tell you, it doesn't mean God's not working. The Bible says that he is preparing greatness for your life. He's preparing great things. If your marriage is not too good, God's preparing a marriage that's off the charts. If your finances are not too good, God's preparing things. He's working. That's what I want you to see today. God's working. He's working. Even if you can't see it, God is still working. And he's preparing things for us. God is busy preparing greatness for your life. But here's the thing. He's waiting till we are positioned in a place that we can receive it. He's waiting for us to step into it. Come on, we said this last Sunday, I believe. You and I are one step of obedience away from the best God has for your life. You may say, I'm so far from God. No, you're not. You're one step of obedience. Your marriage may be wrecked and you may say there's no hope. You're one step of obedience from God turning around that circumstance. Man, I'm ready to preach in the house today. Come on, you're one step away. You've just got to make that step. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you stepping? Come on, we've got a step. We've got a step. But look what it says in verse 10 of that same passage. It says, but God has revealed them to us. God wants to reveal the great things that he has to us. But how does he reveal it? Through his spirit. Through his spirit. You and I are going to receive the greatness of God spiritually. It's not through striving and working and doing all those things, but it's in trusting, in resting, and in having faith and placing your life in God. If you want the greatness of God, you find that through relationship with God. It's in relationship with Him. God would never waste His time preparing something for nothing. He's got a plan for us. Have you ever met with people and you say to them, hey, have you got plans on Friday night? What do you mean when you say, have you got plans on Friday night? You're waiting to check because you've got plans if they haven't got plans. I'm telling you right now, God's got plans for you. God's got plans. Come on, he's got a hookup ready for you. He's got something with your name on. He's got blessings. You may not see it. You may not hear it. You may not be able to even grasp it and comprehend it, but he's still working. He's still working. He's still working. And man, I've just got to read my favorite verse from the Bible today. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him. Who? God. God. Now to God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. One translation says God is able to do infinitely more. But notice what it is. According to the power that works inside of us. It's not my, it's not me. Trigger said it. When he tried to do it his own ways, he screwed everything up and nearly lost everything. But when he surrendered and said, God, you're the Lord of my life. You're the power source of my life. I'm trusting. I'm walking in obedience. I'm in relationship with you. Guess what? That's when those things begin to open up for our lives and we can walk within God. It's greatness for our lives. Come on, what's the power within you today? What power do you have inside of you? 
Because the power you have inside of you is going to determine what comes out of you. Come on, the power inside of you is going to determine the outcome of your life. If you're running your life, guess what? There is a way that seems right to man, and the end thereof is it's death, destruction, damnation, hell. But there's another way, and Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. Come on, he's leading us in a way. He's leading us in a way. So today, the challenge for every one of you, I'm going to give you another challenge today, and the challenge is this. Are you Jacob, or are you Israel? Are you Jacob, or are you Israel? I want to talk to you today about face-to-face with God. Face-to-face with God. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 32, and we're going to read verse 22, and we're going to read a few verses today, so follow with me. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, just watch on the screen. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to take notes today. I want you to really listen, because I believe God gave me this word about a month ago and really challenged me. And so this is a word for the church. This is a word that's going to change the dynamics. It's going to change the outlook. It's going to change the direction of our church. I really believe that this word is going to be so powerful today in your life. Genesis 32, beginning in verse 22, and it says this, And he, which is talking of Jacob, arose that night, and he took his two wives and his two female servants and his eleven sons, and he crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And he took them, and he sent them over the brook, and he sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was knocked out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So God said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And the angel of God says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said unto him, why is it that you ask me about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, which is the same word as Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Peniel, face to face with God. Jacob had a face-to-face encounter with God that changed his complete life. Let me give you some background and bring you up to where we are in this story for those of you that perhaps don't know. Jacob's father, Isaac, had two sons. The firstborn son was Esau, then it was Jacob. The Bible says that Esau was like a Louisiana boy. He loved to hunt. He loved to go out and he was an outdoors person and he loved just to go out and hunt. But the Bible defines Jacob as being a mild man, really a mama's boy. He kind of hung around, the Bible said, with the tents, but he was doing something strategic. And that was this, he was learning the family business. He was learning what it took to run the stuff. So one day, Esau's out hunting and he's 
so hungry and he hasn't eaten for a number of days and he sees Jacob cooking a, a pot of gumbo and he comes up to him and he says, I want some of that. And Jacob looks at his brother and says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you as much as you want, but you have to give me something. He says, give me your birthright. A birthright in Bible times was very important because the oldest son had the birthright. That meant he had the inheritance that when the father passed on, everything that the father had was passed to the firstborn son. So really what Jacob was saying was, give me everything that you deserve, that you are the heir to. Surrender your rights and let me take that place. Esau, the Bible says, despised his birthright. And that's a whole other message and we're not going to go there. But he said to Jacob, what good is my birthright while I'm starving to death? And he gave him his birthright for a pot of stew. As time went on, Isaac, the Bible says, was getting ready to die. He was old, his eyes was dim. And the father would pass on the blessing before he passed away. So he brought Esau, his favorite son, and also the firstborn. And he said, Esau, my time is at hand. I'm getting ready. I want to bless you. But before I do, would you go out and catch me? Would you hunt for me and get me that meal? That I... He wanted some deer backstrap. He just loved that. He wanted it hooked up with all the stuff and all the trimmings. So Esau went off to hunt. But Rebekah was listening. Rebecca is the wife of Isaac. She was listening and she saw an opportunity for her favorite son, Jacob, to take the blessing. So she had a plan and long story short, she took a goat and she killed it and she put the skins on her son because Esau, the Bible says, was a hairy man. And she strapped goat's hair on the back of his neck, on his hands, put Esau's clothing upon Jacob, cooked a meal and sent it in to the father. The father was deceived. He says, it's the voice of Jacob. But he grabbed him and pulled him to him. And he said, but you smell like Esau. And then he touched the back of his neck and he touched his hands and he felt the hair. And he said, you sound like Jacob, but you're my son Esau. And he placed his right hand upon him and he gave him the blessing. He gave him the inheritance. It wasn't long after Jacob had left the tent that Esau comes and he says, dad, here's your meal. And dad says, hold on a second, something's gone wrong. I've just blessed you. And Esau said, that wasn't me. And Esau cried out, please bless me. But Isaac says, I cannot give you another blessing because the blessing has already been given. Well, you can imagine Esau is not very happy about this. And he goes out of that tent and he looks at his brother and he says, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to destroy your life. But out of respect for his father, he would not do it until his father had passed. So Rebecca, obviously fearing for her son Jacob, had another plan. And she said, Jacob, you've got to get out of Dodge. You've got to leave. You've got to go. So she sends Jacob off to her brother's house. She sends him off to Laban. And he finds Laban. And he begins to work for Laban. But he sees something that Laban has and he falls in love. It's Rachel. He loves Rachel. And he wants Rachel. For seven years, he works for Rachel. But on the marriage night, little beknownst to him, he's in a relationship with someone that he doesn't think. Because when he wakes up in the morning, he sees Leah beside him and not Rachel. He's now been tricked. But eventually, he works another seven years and he gets his heart's desire. He gets Rachel. And God blesses him. And God blesses him. So one day, Jacob says, 
I want to go from here and I want to head back home. And he works out a deal with his father-in-law and he's blessed by this time. God blesses him and he leaves. But there's another problem that's now facing him. And there is other parts of the story that I haven't talked to. And that's why it's important to read the word of God. Read the stories. Read what we said. Read back in Genesis 29, 30, whatever the chapters before what we just talked about today. And read the story for yourself. But he wants to head home. But there's a problem. In heading home, he has to face his brother. Esau is still alive. Esau probably is still stewing over the fact that he lost the birthright, that he lost the inheritance, that he lost the blessing. And as Jacob's heading back home, there's a report that says your brother Esau's on his way and he's with 400 men. How many knows that probably wasn't a welcoming party? 400 armed men are coming after Jacob. So Jacob, fearful his life, trusting in God, but fearful for his life, he breaks everything he has into two groups. He puts all his wealth, he puts all his possessions and everything of value in the first group. And he says, hey, I'm going to put this ahead because it's going to try and appease my brother Esau. But himself and his family, he keeps behind. So if Esau begins to attack and does not get satisfied with the first amount or gifts and goods then Jacob feels that he has a chance to escape with his family. And that's where we're at up to the story at this time. We're at that part of the story. That he's allowed everything he has to cross over. Now he and his children have crossed over. And he's not sure what's going to happen the next day. He doesn't know what's going to happen to his life when he wakes up the next morning. But the Bible says some key words. It says, but that night Jacob separates himself. He gets alone from the crowd. He distances himself. I don't know why he does. I don't know if God led him or he just wanted to get away because he was so stressed and he didn't want his family to see. Who knows? But the reason he separated himself. And the Bible says that as he separated himself, that God came and God wrestled with him. God wrestles with him. Pete, can you come up here and help me a second, sir? As I began to read this, it's kind of a strange thought to me in the thought of that God wrestles with him. You would have thought at first that God could have said, what up, Jacob? How's everything going? What's going on in your life? But there's no talk of any conversation. There's no talk of any question. But it's almost like God just shows up and then they're wrestling. They're wrestling like this. So it's no conversation, they're just wrestling. But notice where they're wrestling, they're wrestling face to face. And it's kind of strange, stay with me Pete, it's kind of strange thought. I thought to myself, so what, what is the thought here? Because there's something in the story that you and I have got to see today, and that is this, we're Jacob. Every one of us are Jacob. And there's a wrestle and a struggle that's going on in every one of our lives. You see, if we're not giving our lives completely over to God, and even when we are saved, there's still a struggle that's fighting against us every day. There's a struggle for right and wrong. There's a struggle to make the right decisions. And we're in a battle. We're engaged in a war every day. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. There's a struggle that wants to take us down every day. There's a fight. But you know there's something about this fight and that is this. You and I can't win it. Trigger thought he could win and he couldn't. Him and his wife nearly lost everything financially. Never mind financial. They nearly lost their marriage and Trigger nearly lost his family. 
Why? Because he was fighting on his own strength. He was fighting a battle, and you and I so often fight battles that we cannot win. We cannot win. And you know why we don't have to win it? Because he's already won it. He already won it for us. When he hung upon a cross and he died for us. And he said, it is finished. Let's read again, if we could. Stay with me, Pete. Verse 24, and it says this. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. So he's face to face. But you know, there's something about Jacob that needs to be a part of every one of our lives. And that was this. He would not let go. He would not let go. He held on and he kept fighting. He's face to face with God. And no matter what he's doing, he's not tapping out. He's not screaming uncle. He's not saying mercy. He's holding on. He's engaged. He's persistent. He's holding on to the fact that God does something to him. Now, in some ways, you could read and think, man, God's kind of playing dirty right here. Because the Bible says that God took his hand and he smote his hip. And when he hit the hip of Jacob, he was knocked to his feet. And he could no longer stand because God took... There's something about this part of your body, your hip area. It's the strongest part of your body. If you want to lift something properly, where do you lift it? From here. It's the greatest strength of your body. God took him and hit him at his greatest strength and knocked him to his knees, showing every one of us, no matter how strong we think we are and how persistently we keep fighting and keep holding on because there is a way that seems right to man. And no matter how persistent we are, can I tell you right now, you cannot do it in your own flesh and there's going to be a day you're going to be falling on your knees. It's going to be a day you're going to fall to your knees. So God does something. God does something. But notice he's engaged in battle. He's holding on face to face. God knocks him in the hip and he falls. But what does he do? He clings on to God still with everything he has. He grabs a hold with God. You know, today you may say, my life's a mess. I don't know what to do. You may be on your knees. Can I tell you right now? Grab a hold of God. Don't let God go. You don't know the circumstances I'm in, pastor. You don't know what I'm facing. I'm telling you right now, get ready because you're right where God needs you to be. Keep holding on. He grabs a hold of God. Can you see it? God's thinking, man, if I hit him, he's going to tap out. It's going to be over. But he holds on. He holds on. He hangs on. He keeps holding on. You know why God hit him in the hip? I told you that. Because God cannot give victory to the flesh. God cannot give victory to the flesh. And here's what that means. You and I will never win in life without God's grace and His mercy. You can fight and you can continue to struggle, but you're never going to prevail. Lots of people out there are struggling. Come on, we hear it every day. I'm just struggling to make my bills. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling in my health. There's a fight that's going on in our lives. There's people who are broken. There's people who are empty. There are people who are hopeless all around us. Come on, we will never make it on our own. Come on, that circumstance, that situation is going to get the better of you unless... You're holding on to God. Unless you're holding on to God and saying, God, I don't understand it, but I'm holding on and I'm not going to let go. 
He fought and won for you. You can hold on to God. So one minute he's face to face with God. The next minute he's holding on for his dear life. He's no longer wrestling. He's clinging for mercy. He's clinging for mercy. And look what it says. How do you know all this, Pastor Pete? Because the Bible says, and God said to him, the angel of God said to him, let me go for day breaks. Jacob, I don't know how long it was he smote him in the hip, but it could have been hours, but he's not letting go. And the angel of God is saying, let me go. Let me go. And Jacob said unto him, listen to this, I will not let you go until you bless me. Until you bless me. Come on, what a picture of salvation we're seeing in this story today. Come on, we're in a battle. We're in a struggle. Come on, we've been knocked down to our knees because that's what life does to us. But God says, you may be knocked down, but you're not knocked out. You may be hard pressed. You may be perplexed. You may be feeling like you're crushed. But guess what? The Bible says you are never in despair. What does he do? He grabs a hold of God and he doesn't let go. And he asks God, give me blessing. Give me blessing. Give me mercy. So can you picture him? He's down there and God says, let me go. And he says, no, no. And he says, until you bless me. Until you bless me. What happens next in the story? You would have thought God would have just said blessing. I mean, you thought you're blessed. But notice what God says in the next part of the story. You can sit down now, Pete, thanks. God doesn't bless him. God asks him a question. God asks him a question. God says to Jacob, and can I tell you before we ask the question, this is a tough question for every one of us. This is a tough question that we all must answer. God says to him in verse 27, God says to him, Jacob, what is your name? What is your name? And Jacob said, my name is Jacob. God knew who he was. God knew who he was. God knew where Adam and Eve were when they were hiding in the garden. God knew, but there's a reason he asks. There's a reason he asks. God is omniscient. You know what that means? All-knowing. He knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. Come on, he knows everything. There's nothing that can pass the eyes, the heart, the ears of God. He knows everything. So why would he ask him his name? He asked him his name for this reason. So that Jacob would admit who he was. Come on, there is no way that we can be saved. There is no way our lives can be changed until we admit the fact that we need a Savior. The word Jacob means deceiver. He's a supplanter. That means to take place or take something with unfair methods. That means he's twisting things and manipulating things and getting things gone. But listen to this. God asked him his name. So he could own up to who he was. God needed him to admit the truth of his life. And it was then and only then when God could work in him and God could change his name. Come on, what's your name today? Come on, really, who are you today? God knows. You may be fooling people and you may be fooling God, you think. And you're fooling life and circumstances and situations. But can I just give you a scripture from the word of God that comes from James 1 verse 22. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. 
Note, please, today where the deception lies. The deception doesn't lie because you're fooling other people. The deception certainly doesn't lie because you are fooling God. The Bible tells us right there the deception lies at the point that we are deceiving ourselves. We're robbing ourselves. Not deceiving God. May deceive others around us for a while. But the Bible says what's done in darkness is going to be exposed in the light. It's going to be brought to light. I'm talking today about what can happen to your life when you have a face-to-face encounter with God. Guess what? He gives you a new name. He gives you a new identity. Come on, you're a new person. You're a new person when you hold on to God and you experience and you receive His grace and His mercy and forgiveness. God says, who you once were, you are not lo- no longer that person. How many have had a new name in this house? Come on, God gives us a new name. But God can only work with transparent, real people. That's why he asked Jacob, tell me what your name is. God can't work with pride. God can't work with those things that we would build up against him. God can only work with someone that realizes I've tried it and I'm fighting a fight that I'm never going to win. But yet, thank God for grace and mercy that won for me. And I just have to hold on to that. And there's a blessing that can come when I confess who I am and realize who he is and what he has done for my life. Look what it says in verse 28. And God said to him, I'm telling you, you better be listening to what God is saying to us today. You better be listening. And you've got to remember, this account that we're reading about took place over 6,000 years ago, but it's still taking place in lives today. God says to him, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Israel, for you have struggled with God and men and you have prevailed. God says no longer deceiver, no longer manipulator. Come on, no longer failure, no longer the one who messed up, no longer the one who was the alcoholic or the drug addict, the one who messed up in his family and wasn't the father or mother that they should be, the one that broke the law and did all. God says no longer are you going to be known by that, but now you are going to be known as Israel. Come on, prince. With God. That's what that means. You're a prince with God. Another translation or another meaning of that word is you're a soldier of God. You're now God's fighter. That's what it means too. You're prince of God. You're now a soldier of God. You're God's fighter. You see, I truly believe when you have a face-to-face encounter with God, I'm not just talking of coming to the altar and just praying a prayer and leaving the same way in which you came in. I'm talking about a face-to-face encounter with God that changes the person that you are. Come on, I believe that when you truly meet God as your Lord and Savior, you are changed. Come on, you are changed. Come on, you are never the same again. That's how awesome salvation is. It can take a life that's screwed up, messed up, and it can set it straight. Come on, it can change our lives in one instant. The Bible says, I'm a brand new creation. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Wow, I'm glad about that. As a result of a face-to-face encounter with God, I'm changed. Let's read on verse 30 and 31. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. For I've seen God face to face and my life is preserved. He's not just saying that I've made it. He's now realizing that his life is now starting. His life can now begin because until you've met Jesus, you have no life. 
You just have an existence. But when you have Jesus, come on, you have a new life. There's a life of abundance and blessing that only He can give. And verse 31, And just as He crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on Him. And watch this. And He limped on His hip. He limped on His hip. Come on, I want you to see something today. No long, no, not only does God give you a new identity, as you've had a face-to-face encounter with God, yes, you've got a new identity, but can I tell you something? It changes the way you walk. It changes the way you live. There's something that happens when you have an encounter with God and you grab a hold of mercy and truth and you come clean with who you are and you cry out to a God who is more than able that He'll change your name and He'll change the way you walk. Think about it. Everywhere Jacob went or Israel went, sorry, after that, someone said to him, what happened to you? What happened? I mean, the last time I saw you, you didn't walk like that. Come on, are you getting the picture today? The last time I saw you, you didn't limp like that. What happened to you? Everywhere he went, he was asked a question. Do you know what his answer was? I met God. I met God. I had a pineal. I had a face-to-face encounter with God. And as a result, I'm no longer Jacob, by the way. I'm Israel. And it's changed the way I walk. Listen, everywhere we go, if it's our work, our school, our neighborhood, wherever we go, people should look at us and say, what happened to you? You're not the same person you used to be. There's something different about you. I don't know, maybe you changed your hairstyle. No, it's more than that. There's a glow inside of you. There's something different. You used to be depressed and miserable and sad and mad. But there's something inside of you. Come on, you're walking different because you've had a face-to-face encounter with God. Because salvation brings a transformation. I'm not the same I was and I don't want to be the same. I don't want to do what I did. Come on, God can change that. That's what's so powerful about salvation. I thank God for programs and all these things. But you know what? An alcoholic can be set free with a face-to-face encounter with God. The worst of the worst can be set free with a face-to-face encounter with God. Everywhere you go, people should look and say, what's happened to your life? Doug in the back got an incredible testimony. I'm not going to give all Doug's testimony today, but Doug was in a low place in his life. He was in a low, low place in his life. And he cried out to God and he said, God, if you're really real, take these cigarettes from me. And he realized the next day that God not only took the cigarettes from him, God took the desire for alcohol. He used to curse like a sailor. God cleaned up his mouth. God took care of him. How many knows that Doug had an encounter with a God that day that not only changed his identity, but changed the way he walked. And he's a different man as a result from that day. Yes, there's still going to be struggles in our life. Life is not easy. Life is tough. But that's why you and I have got to have a face-to-face encounter with a living God. We've got to be changed and transformed. We can't say, I wonder if I'm saved. Come on, you've got to know that you are saved. And the Bible says that you can know that you're saved. And every day, you begin to build upon that encounter. The Bible says we take up our cross daily and we follow Him. Every one of us needs an encounter with God. A face-to-face experience. Listen, I can't do it for you. I can't do it for my kids. I can't do it for my wife. I can't do it for my friends. I wished I could, but I can't do it for you. You've got to do it for yourself. 
And today, this message isn't just for those who have never received Christ as their Saviour. This message is for those who have never had an encounter with God. But you know what? This message is also for us that had an encounter maybe 20, 30 years, two months ago, 20 years, 30, 40, 50. You know what? I believe we all need a fresh encounter with God. I believe every one of us at times needs an attitude adjustment. I think a lot of us need to be reminded of the fact that we now live under a new name. Come on, I think the fact of us need to be reminded that we're supposed to be walking different to what we do. Listen to this statement as I close. True faith requires that we admit what we are before we can receive what he is. Let me read that one more time. True faith requires that we admit what we are. I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. Before he can reveal who he is. It's an encounter with God that I believe and I promise will change your life. An encounter with God's going to change the way you talk. It's going to change the way you walk. It's going to change the way you treat others. It's going to change the way you think. It's going to change the way you are. But here's the key thing. It's going to change your heart. It's going to change your heart. Remember what we said, I has not seen, ear hath heard, nor heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men, the things that God has prepared for them. But God has revealed them through his spirit. The only way that we're going to see the things of God, we cannot do it on our own, but it's to cling a hold of mercy. And come clean with God and say, God, I'm Jacob. But God, you can make me Israel. And you can change my identity. And you can change the way I live. You see, an orange tree does not have to have a sign that says, Hi, I'm an orange tree. An orange tree is known that it's an orange tree by the fruit that it produces. If you have to wear a sign that says, Hi, I'm a Christian, you're producing no fruit in your life. But I believe a face-to-face encounter with God will cause your life to not only bear fruit, but the Bible says your life will bear much fruit. Much fruit. After a face-to-face encounter, you will begin to walk in things that God has prepared for those that love Him. You and I have got to have an encounter with God. Can you all stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.